There's a phrase that's taken on a completely yeah. different meaning this year. What's that? I'm not positive. I'm not positive. <laughs> yeah. Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to episode four of the second season of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. This week, the regular crew is joined by Northern Michigan beat writer Ryan Stieg from the Mining Journal. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Yeah, no problem. This week, we're going to discuss the changes throughout college hockey, recent COVID issues in the WCHA, recap the Lake Superior State Series, and some other college hockey action. Uh, Touch on what Joe had to say on this week's show. There's a little bit of CCHA news, and take a look ahead, even though we don't actually have games this weekend now. Uh, Anything I'm missing, guys? Hockey this weekend? I'm missing hockey this weekend. (laughs) You're missing hockey this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to miss it too. All right, let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor. And we'll come back and talk about what's going on with other teams in college hockey. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. So... Biggest thing going on is kind of the merry-go-round of teams changing plans. Uh, last I checked, unless I'm mistaken, the ECAC is down to four teams now as Union canceled their season shortly after we recorded last week. And then we also had the reverse. RIT come back? Uh, I don't know if they're officially back yet, but RIT is reconsidering playing this season, trying to figure out how to make it work now that they've canceled. Uh, I assume that won't be too hard. And then the other big news was the fact that Colorado College, Sacred Heart, and Mercyhurst all had some cancellations or delays or stopped activities due to COVID outbreaks or or concerns in the community. Uh, Kind of a lot going on. I know we recorded, and I think before we published, Union and the RIT news came out, but I thought it was important to touch on both of those. RIT did say it's coming back. Officially now they they are coming back versus just reconsidering. Okay. Yeah, RIT and it, um reissued its schedule, so okay. they have new schedule now. Good. It's it's definitely an interesting situation. So that puts the the Atlantic Hockey back at the full complement of teams, right? Um, they they were the only one that had backed out. So now it's just the ECAC and Alaska Anchorage that are the what the that six 
seven, eight teams in the ECAC have dropped out, and then Alaska Anchorage so far with RIT coming back. It's I don't know what the heck is going to happen with the ECAC trying to schedule. Um, it's definitely an interesting situation to see how that plays out with only. Now I got to come up with this from memory. So what? It's Colgate yet? Uh, Clarkson, St. Lawrence, and who am I missing? I think St. Lawrence might have had some sort of announcement today too. Did they? Yeah, I believe so. I'm I'm gonna look it up now that I'm saying it. But yeah, yeah they just pushed. They pushed back like yeah, they pushed their back start back. date. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So not a cancellation, but uh, a delay. Correct. Well, who's the other team I'm missing though that is still playing? ECAC? RPI? Quinnipiac? No, RPI dropped, right? Oh, Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac. Yep. the other one, yeah. So, I don't know what the heck they're going to do, because it seems unlikely they're going to get much for scheduling from uh, Hockey East. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they can get ECAC games or not, or, you know, something, somebody other Atlantic Hockey games to fill in, or... Or play whoever can't play or who was supposed to play Anchorage, but that's not a lot to help them. Right, yeah. Eastern-Western gap there, right? Right. Who knows how that'll play out. And and I guess, Ryan, one question I've had, and maybe you've heard more being that you're a little more in the media than we are. Have you really heard anything about what their plans are for determining a tournament field? From what I heard, that's still kind of up in the air. They okay. are, you know, they they got their schedule that was announced. They had their little media day where they said, give an overview of how things are going. But in the media day, they said they're still trying to figure it all out. So I they don't even I don't think they even know if there's going to be any buys or if there's going to be how many teams make it into the playoffs or I mean it's it's kind of like they're just seeing what happens and trying to make the best of it is what their plan is. Yeah. Part of me wonders if their, their plan is to put it off as long as possible so that they don't have to announce a stupid plan until there actually is a tournament. Well, it's such, I think it's such flux too. Does it even make sense to announce something? You don't even know how many teams are going to be around at this point. Right. That's true. You know? I mean, maybe it is something that doesn't get announced till the new year just because they want to see, what happens with COVID the next two months, what happens with different teams the next two months and how many more teams just decide it's, it's not worth it or, or lose so many games that it, it becomes a struggle. But at the same time, uh, I mean, we can kind of get to the next one about how we've got cancellations in the WCHA now. Like as much as it stinks that Michigan Tech and Northern won't be playing this weekend, and Northern was also supposed to play Lake State Wednesday. On Wednesday, yeah. Uh, like those games aren't that important in the grand scheme of things, other than they would have been fun to happen and be able to watch something like that over Thanksgiving weekend. But they're not WCHA games. Michigan Tech and Northern still play four more times this year. At least they're scheduled to. So there's, it. I don't know. And then the Bemidji State Minnesota State game that was supposed to be today, right? Yep. 
got canceled or postponed. I don't know which. And then I think it's considered postponed. But and then didn't Bowling Green have a game get postponed or canceled as well? I think. I don't know. There's been a lot of schedule shuffling with different games moving to different weeks and and a bunch of stuff like that. But it'll it's going to be interesting to see what happens when we have more of these things happen when it's actual conference games or I mean like Colorado College's situation it sounds like their disruption puts them right up against the 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 whole bubble situation in Omaha right like they're they're supposed to be when did those games even start for that conference now yeah because they're still doing non-conference from what I understand as well right well, I think their stuff is, yeah, so I think theirs is supposed to start December 1st. Right, and anything that's actually conference is supposed to be in the bubble. Well, but that's what I mean. Like, Colorado College's stopping of operations puts them right up to when they're supposed to be playing in the bubble. Like, they shut down, and they're supposed to shut down for, like, 21 days or something like that. And whenever that was announced, that basically puts them right up to when they're supposed to be playing Omaha on December 1st. Or it must be less than that number of days, because we, like, even last week, that would still be whatever. But they're a couple weeks, like, shut down for two weeks, and they're supposed to go in and play Omaha right away, basically as soon as they're supposed to start up again. Yeah, it's just... Uh, it's an interesting spot with all these teams trying to start playing already and then having, uh, well, LA, you know, a bunch of different games getting postponed very quickly and then having a bunch of different teams shutting down operations and everything else. I mean, I know you had some quotes and other things from Patalny, Ryan, but so what, what is the situation with Northern? Basically, they're just, there was some positive COVID tests and they're, they decided to shut everything down. They canceled the three games this week. They canceled the three games the following week. Um, it's basic. So the two Lake State games, the two games against Michigan Tech and the two Bemidji State games. So all of those are done. Um, they said it was just, they consulted with their medical staff and the medical staff decided that it just wasn't, you know, safe enough to have the games occur. And then the university decided to make that decision. So that's, that's pretty much what they told me. Okay. No, well, I think it's a good decision. I, we don't actually know like how many positive tests on the team or within the program or anything like that, do we? Uh, they, uh, I asked Grandpa Tony about it and he just, he said, referred everything to their medical staff. And, uh, so he didn't really have anything to say on that. Yeah. As far as I read, there were some, there was at least one positive case within the team. Right. And that's what, uh, caused the concern, but there was no more details than that, I believe. I think that was a pretty safe assessment. Is that there's, pre- but uh, I was never able to really confirm anything. Sure, sure. 
Yeah, they're being pretty tight-lipped about it, which makes sense. Yeah, I, it's a tough spot. I think it's a, the right decision. I think hockey is a tough sport to be playing with. Like, if you have a couple players that have it, you know, every time I've ever seen college hockey teams hanging out outside of hockey, they're a pretty close-knit group. So the odds are that if you've got two positive tests that you might have a couple more guys that have it that aren't positive yet, so you can't exactly go play a game tomorrow already. So it probably was best to just shut it down for a while, try and get everybody isolated, and hopefully it doesn't go through the whole team. Or if it does go through a large chunk of the team, that everybody ends up being okay. And for the most part, everything we've seen from college athletes has been that the kids that have gotten it end up being fine. And we know from experience that for the most part, that's not really the problem. It's the problem that they're so their ability to transmit it to other people while they're generally feeling pretty good. Like whether it's one of the coaches or somebody else they encounter, like, well, whoever operates the, the penalty box or the referees, whatever, you've got a lot of people that aren't, 20 some years old that are involved in all of this. So it, I think it's a good decision and hopefully it's the, the last time I kind of doubt it will be the last time that the WCHA has a cancellation or postponement, but it's always possible that they find a way to get this under control, especially when you're one of the other things that you've got is like uh, our Slack chat. We had a lot of discussion about how Michigan tech is up to, what did they call it? Level five now where there's basically no in-person learning right now. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Everything's virtual at this point in tech. And as bad as that sounds from one perspective, I think it's good for the hockey team. I think we talked about that a little bit, Dustin, didn't we? Where the less the players have a chance to interact with outside people, the better shot they have of staying I mean, they're basically in a virtual bubble now because they're not going to class and not interacting with hundreds of people as long as they can stay out of the bars and stay out of the house parties and that kind of stuff, which hopefully isn't happening. And all the rest of the students went home, presumably, because why stay there if you're just doing virtual? Yeah. So, yeah, they're they're in essentially their own little bubble without having to deal with other people, it seems like. What's your perspective on that, Ryan? I actually think it was a smart idea. You know, just to shut it down, as disappointing as me, you know, as a college hockey fan, and since I'm a sports writer, it's what I do for a living, and I was really excited for this season. I was finally going to get underway. You know, you guys, Tech, had their games last week against Lake State, and this was going to be Northern's chance. And now that it isn't, it's disappointing, but it was the smart thing to do because it's going to be my story tomorrow. Grant emphasized that student athletes and the players, that's their main concern is their safety and their well-being. And you don't want to transmit it to anybody that could get infected. And like you said, that it's not just the players, you know, you could infect the coaches, you could infect, you know, the officials that might be playing in the games, you not playing, but you know, the officials during the games, you could infect, like you said, the penalty box guy or something. So it was a smart decision. It's disappointing for all of us, fans, writers, players, coaches, but ultimately as in the case with every sport that's going through this, it's, 
it was the right decision overall. Yeah, and I know we talked about this a little bit uh, in chat when you asked if we were still on for tonight, but what's your perception of whether or not we get to the point of having a WCHA championship game or the NCAA tournament? Well, I think the fact that they built in that extra week um, in the season, you know, before the WCHA tournament, um, just in case there are any postponements or cancellations to try to make up for that. I think that was a smart decision by the league. I know Northern has that their, their one conference game against uh, Lake State uh, December 2nd. They're going to have to work with the league because that was technically a conference game. So they have to be able to make that up. Um, so they're going to try to reschedule that. But I, I think there will be a tournament, but they're going to have to probably rethink everything. Cause if Northern just lost six games, <laughs> it's like, now it's like, well, how many other teams are going to lose games? You know, it's one thing if you lose one, but if you lose a full two weeks, it's, they're in a tough spot. The league is, it's like, they were already going to be kind of up against the wall to have a season altogether. And now they're trying to do the best they can with it. And it's, it's just seems like every time they make progress, they have to take a step back and then reformat things. So I think they're ultimately going to have one, but as far as how it's going to look, I guess it just kind of depends. You guys? No, I think we'll get there eventually. What format it takes is going to change weekly. All <laughs> right. <laughs> and does it end up being, you know, how many people are actually going to get enough games in to make it matter? It's, I don't know. There's nothing certain this year, and it doesn't uh, seem to be stopping anytime soon. And we've seen in other leagues where there's delays and cancellations, and the leagues just seem to keep going when say, well, we'll figure it out later. You know, that's kind of the attitude that they've had. And I think the WCHA will probably do the same thing. You know, as games are canceled and delayed, they're just going to have to continue to figure it out and continue to you know, look at it as a fluid situation and you know fit them in where they can. And the expectation is probably going to have to be that teams are going to end the season with different numbers of games played, and they're going to have to go by win percentage or points percentage. And you know, some teams and fans might get upset because they think they get screwed over, but. You know, that's just the way it's going to end up being. The whole world is getting screwed over this year. A hockey team not getting its playoff position or whatever isn't uh, isn't going to be the end of the world at this point, as much as we all don't want to admit that on a hockey-focused podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but you know there's going to be people that are going to complain about it. So Sure, of course. I mean, that's, I'm pretty sure ever since there's been sport, there's been fans on the side bitching about what's going on. Or death threats over fumbles. I, yeah, crazy stuff. You know, touching a ball on the side as it goes uh, as it goes into the stands because a fan just wants to catch it and he can never go to a game again. You know, that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Brian, have you heard anything about, I assume it's similar to the NCAA tournament where there really isn't much news about what the, the official plan is or unofficial plan is for the conference tournament at this point? Yeah, um, there really hasn't really come up with a plan. I even asked uh, 
you know, Grant a couple of weeks ago when I put out a story, kind of like a season preview, and he said that, you know, he hasn't really heard anything either. It's just they're gonna okay. Um, I, if if they're gonna include all nine teams since Alaska Anchorage isn't gonna play this year, now it's down to nine. If there's gonna be a buy, um, if there's you know like a playing game or anything, they're still it's still up in the air. I don't think they really thought that far ahead. And like we we've, we've already said, all right, like they're kind of just going week by week on what's going to occur and then reacting to it. So that's. It's all up in the air, pretty much. I mean, I'm not surprised. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago where we we kind of looked at what they said in the release of the schedule and what we can infer from that. Like, we heard a rumor that it was possible that it'd just be top four, you know, two best of three series the first weekend, winners play a one-game championship the following weekend. And that kind of, like, I understand where that's coming from, but it also feels like a tough pill to swallow to play this weird season and then only have four teams make it. But we got to get there yet, so who knows? Yeah, I agree. That is weird because you know other other leagues are expanding playoffs to make up for it and going into some sort of bubble. But you know, those are I mean, I'm I'm talking professional. Is that going to be feasible in with a college league? Probably not. Well, I think it, I think it depends, right? I mean, you look at like the Big Ten, and the NCHC, where there's a decent amount of money thrown behind some of the programs, and their ability to deal with things is vastly different than a lot of the other schools out there. Yeah, I mean, and by a bubble, it, it, I'm not I'm not saying like you're there for you know a month or something like that, but do you do something like? All the teams go to one campus site in for Wednesday through Sunday, and you play four games in five days or something like that at one arena, single elimination, something like that. I mean, there's a lot of travel, but the, the travel is probably the biggest issue on that, but it's an option. But yeah, you could always just – or you could figure out two – like a East and a West or three mini pods. Like if you're going to play, basically if you just eliminated one team, you could have two four team pods that go to two different places with the one and the two kind of hosting. And you just play a couple games and determine who's going to make a championship from that or something. So at least everybody's still got a shot, but it's, it's a hard thing to figure out now. And I understand why they're waiting because there's so much uncertainty about how many of these games are going to get played, how weird it's going to look and what's going to happen between now and then. I mean, you know, they're talking about vaccines rolling out here before Christmas possibly and how much that could change all of this depending, you know, especially if you keep getting more and more of these vaccines with good numbers and good reports that you could, if you get a couple of them that we mass produced ahead of time, it won't be that hard for things to happen where people can get them. And it, and by the time playoffs are rolling around, most people have them, especially if we have three or four of them that look good. And then it just becomes a matter of getting them and just, it'll drastically change perspective on all of this. 
Uh, let's see. Well, we did have games last weekend. Michigan Tech played Lake Superior State, the first games of their 100th season. And we had a couple other games that happened that are of interest to Tech fans in some fashion. But the season started off, uh, I, I guess I don't know how to say, how to describe that first game. It, it felt lackluster. <laughs> it felt lackluster. It was nice to see Sinclair get a shutout. I think there was some decent opportunities that he he stopped, but overall, I don't think the offenses did a very good job by either team in general of actually getting good scoring. Ch- or I'm not sure if they didn't get good scoring chances, but but getting putting good shots on net when they had their chances, which is something that uh, reminds me of the good old days of Michigan Tech when Mitch's misfits started and everything, but. I don't know. It was good to see him do well. The defense seemed to be pretty good. One of the things that I found most interesting was for a league that traditionally has had some of the highest penalty minutes per game in the country, I do think the complete lack of fans plays a role in the fact that there were a lot less calls this weekend. I don't know. Dustin, did you watch? Did you end up getting your login figured out? No, it never worked. It and never that's, worked. Another, that's, that's a complaint that we should probably get to at some point here because I have a <laughs> rant about that. <laughs> Dustin tried to give Flow Hockey his money and it, he couldn't get it to work. I call it, I kept clicking the button and it wouldn't, it wouldn't click. Like there wasn't a link on attached to the button. Like my credit card number was in there and everything. I was just trying to give them money. And they would not take my money. <laughs> yeah, I'm thankful that uh, that this year they just renewed my uh, my media one. I assume that happened for you too, Ryan. Yeah, I uh, they renew it every year for. Well, I think the first. Oh. I think the first year they did flow, they gave us a login. Then I thought last year they made us like do a new one. But then this year it just renewed, or maybe I'm getting screwed up with how it worked. But yeah, I remember asking them about it last year and them telling me something. And then this year I didn't have to do anything. It just kept working. So since it should have renewed like over a month ago when the hockey season normally starts. But uh... yeah, I didn't have any problems with flow. It was good. I mean, the quality at Taffy has always leaves something to be desired. Uh, the lighting there seems to be kind of crappy and it's just dark and it looks dingy on flow to be unkind to taffy, but it's, uh, you know, well, from, the, that, from when I was from the one time that I've been there, it looks dingy in person too. So yeah, it's been a long time since I actually been to taffy in person. So, but in the end, I'm kind of glad that I did end up spending the money on it because I didn't realize the games were so early this week or this yeah this weekend, and I wouldn't have been able to watch most of them anyways. So yeah, if I uh, if I had to look, I would have missed them as well because a four o'clock start and a two o'clock start here in cow time is definitely uh, early for hockey, for sure. Yeah, I don't like them at all because it's. I much prefer the game to be on, like, I don't know, 6 o'clock is even early for me being central, so I prefer 7 
Uh, but it sounds like the team kind of prefers it, especially when there's no fans, that they just get to play the games and be done instead of waiting so long into the day to play. I don't know. Yeah, that makes I'm not sense. A fan. I I'm glad. I like. I have zero problem with them picking such an early start time on Sunday, but that Saturday game just felt way too early for me to to be happening. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how many more games are played at different hours when they don't think they have to worry about fans attending. But they, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't know who you're going to get to pay to the the price of flow hockey when games are that early in the day all the time. I know I had this debate with Rob. Did you see that with, was it Harrison Watt complaining about people complaining about flow? No, I missed that one Went on Twitter somewhere. I assume. Yeah, it was on Twitter. Ryan, did you see that? I, I don't think know it was. I don't know if it's Harrison who's complaining, but uh, somebody was complaining about uh, the uh, quality of the commentators, I think, and, uh, you know, the picture and just the production on full. And I think Harrison tried to chime in and say, like, all the guys at Ferris work hard and, you know, that this, you know, just kind of like defending everybody, I think, is what he did. Yeah, it was uh, it was. I can't remember the guy's name, but he's like a pretty big supporter of women's hockey. And he was complaining that to watch all the WCHA women's games, he has to pay for ESPN or for Big Ten Plus or and and Flow Hockey, because I assume it's the Big Ten team's home games are on the Big Ten Plus and everything else is on Flow. So Big Ten Plus is whatever and Flow's way more and then you compare it to something like espn plus that you can get for like six seven bucks a month and it just doesn't compare at all and i don't have anything wrong or i don't have any complaints from the production guys they're doing the best they can i think it's more on the schools to invest in the proper equipment and the proper feed capabilities than necessarily the people doing it i wish for the money you pay for flow it'd be nice if they could find a way to sync up visiting fan audio so we could pick our team and just listen to them. But yeah, I just don't, I don't see flow, the flow model making a ton of sense. Cause it's not like your average hockey fan gives a crap about gymnastics or wrestling or all that other stuff yeah, that's on that's, there and they lump it all in at one price. And it's like, I don't care about any of this. I care about hockey. Like, yeah, give me an option to get the full year of hockey for, you know, 10 bucks a month or $8 a month if I pay up front versus paying for all this other stuff that I don't care about. I don't watch. I mean, that's my biggest issue there. Yeah. They're hoovering up as much content as they can that nobody else will take from the NCAA and then charging a giant cost for it. Whereas most people just want their a la carte, what sport they care about. Yep. I mean, I get it from a management perspective from their side, right? That's one less set of complexity they have to deal with from a customer support perspective when mm-hmm. you offer less product. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I have literally used nothing else on Flow besides the hockey section. I and don't I, watch any of the other sports on there at all. Nor and they have, it. and they have improved in some ways because 
it used to be a giant maze to get to your game, and now it seems like they they have some kind of algorithm that figured out, hey, this guy watches Michigan Tech on here, so we should probably put the Michigan Tech game at the top right away when he logs in. That's one of the big things I've noticed compared to what it used to be like, where it felt like it took five pages of scrolling to get to the hockey and then like way too many clicks to actually start the game. I think they've streamlined that in a much better way and figured out that, hey, he watched Michigan Tech last time. We should probably put that to the top of the list. Like, I think when I logged in on Sunday, I only had to click once because it knew I was a Tech fan. And when I logged in like two weeks ago to see if I still had an account that was active and working, it showed me like the first choice was like a replay of Tech's last game. And that's kind of cool that they finally got that figured out, but it's still not like, I'm really glad that I don't have to pay for it so I can watch as, as media, but it's tough to, it'd be really tough for me to swallow that price point. I'm sure I'd pay it because I love watching them so much and flow hockey is counting on all these sports that they have being dominated by people like us that, Hey, maybe we'll only get a thousand subscribers but they'll pay that price compared to getting 2000 people at half the price. You know, they're counting on us being the diehards that are going to pay it. We're going to gripe, but we're going to pay it. I, I think uh, Flo's priority number one should probably be to uh, make sure the, the, the hyperlink behind the pay button actually <laughs> works. <laughs> because that's not a good way to make money. Yeah, I, I've definitely not had, I have not had trouble with it myself. I mean, it's it's been it for the most part works when you go to play. It's just whether or not the individual productions have the appropriate, you know, gear like you're saying, Tim, to to do it properly. Yep, and I think. I'm sure we would still be complaining about some of these arenas and the quality on an ESPN plus, but it's a lot easier pill to swallow when you're paying that price point on ESPN plus and getting all that other stuff that has some value to you, whether it's the extra uh, random hockey game of the day or the, you know, the random baseball game of the day or the, the other soccer leagues that some of us like, maybe Dustin doesn't care, but every once in a while, ESPN plus I already have ESPN ESPN plus. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is you don't probably care about the soccer coverage that's on ESPN plus. I don't know what exactly. Why do you have ESPN plus? I got it so I can watch UFC. Okay. And it's nice because it's got, uh, is it what ECAC has got some games on there, right? I suppose not this year. Cause I thought it was like most of Cornell's games were on there. Cause didn't we watch Northern play Cornell on there last year, Ryan? Yeah. Uh, Northern was on, it was with Cornell on ESPN plus. I didn't have it as a subscription. So I had to ask a friend for his <laughs> so I could watch the game right about him. So it was, uh, yeah. that was a unique experience for me. Yeah. I just upgraded mine last week now i had it for a while and then i got rid of it because uh because then they announced that new bundle that's disney plus espn plus and hulu which is actually a really good price point for being monthly versus annual subscription so i just got it back again last week because my disney plus subscription was up um 
but yeah, I, I've liked watching stuff on there. It seems way better than a lot of things. And, and you get so much more out of it that you might actually watch. Like, I know I don't always care about the soccer that's on, but sometimes it's nice when I have to be up early and do something and I can just put a soccer game on from England or wherever. I don't even know what they have anymore, Rob. They have Germany now, right? Yeah, ESPN Plus has, has the English league and and the uh, Italian league. So I started uh, my Saturday with uh, with the team I follow. Then I just followed American players for the next three games. So it worked pretty well. Yeah, because they have, not that our listeners care that much, but they have the, they don't have EPL, but they have the next league down, right, in England? The championship is on there occasionally. Okay. Uh, rights to it but when i watch swansea i actually watch via a, a website of swansea's okay and then i if they don't have the rights in the u.s because they're televising it in the u.s then i have to watch it on espn plus but it's not okay. every game okay gotcha but no i basically i watch soccer from eight o'clock on saturday all the way through to the tech hockey game it was uh, <laughs> <laughs> following u.s players with uh and i've uh, done that before when i'm there, yeah. when i'm when I'm bored and I got nothing else to do, I just put soccer game on so I got something to pay attention to or whatever. But yeah, it's my background noise on Saturdays as well. Yeah. I watch the games I care about, then I just find another one to leave on. Which is honestly what I do on Saturday night and on Friday night, most nights after the tech hockey games too. I'll, I'll just throw another hockey game on after we watch the tech ones. Yeah. And that was always the nice part about the, the Alaska schools is you had another game to watch. Uh, after, even if it wasn't always the best quality, especially when they they moved into the tiny rink. So Michigan Tech offense could not really find a way to break through on mittens. That's not really a surprise. They've had struggles before. They did manage to get one power play goal on Saturday or Sunday, the second game, which was a nifty goal. Uh, sounds like I'm in the lead there on most points from a defenseman, guys. <laughs> Any impressions from the weekend for Tech? The offense needs to, uh, you know, put uh, put things in the net. <laughs> yeah. It's the same problem we've had for the last couple of years, it feels like. The offense just takes a while to get started. Yeah, hopefully that that uh, changes quickly. I thought, Dustin, did you get a chance to listen to the show or not? No, I didn't get home until late tonight. So okay, and I've been out in the woods most of the day. Um, one of the bigger things that I kind of took away from it was Joe talking about uh, Thorn, which I know we talked a little bit last week about how like what we thought of rookies and then Kataroth and Bantle were kind of what we expected. Um, God, they are both big. Yeah. That was heck of a line putting them together with uh, Brosman. The shortest guy on the, that line was Brosman at six one. I think it was, but Joe pointed out on the show that he was really happy with Thorn, and he had Thorn. I forget now, um, but he had Thorn paired with one of the main defensemen and playing pretty big minutes from what I could tell. So it sounds like he's going to plug right in as a big part of the, the team. Yeah. He had Thorn paired with Sawyer 
on Sunday. Um, so those three guys sound like they will be a pretty integral part of games going forward. And we had kind of wondered if that was going to be the case last week as to whether or not Thorne coming from the league he's in as a rookie could could contribute right away. And Joe seems to pretty much said he thought Thorne had the best game of all the or the best weekend of all the rookies, uh, which is not that surprising. So, yeah, it's good to hear. Yeah, it'll see how, it, be interesting to see how that plays out. Because I think he was he was one of the bigger question marks, and and not necessarily question mark from that we didn't think that he was going to be a contributor, but we just didn't know what to expect. So or or how fast he could transition from that league to college hockey. Yep, exactly. But yeah, so that's that that's, that's nothing but positive if he's if he can be a contributor right away. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, did you get a chance to watch? You have much of a takeaway of how the games went or anything? Well, I watched. Um, I only saw bits and pieces of it, but uh, from on Friday, uh, I mean, the first game, I thought uh, maybe it was just a little rust. Yeah. For both teams, it's the first game of the year. Maybe they just, you know, I think it's rare that I see a team in my years of college hockey just really look phenomenal in their first game it's usually they kind of kind of gut out a win or maybe just able to grind one out and they're just it just looked like everybody was a little slow but it seems like it picked up the second game and uh everybody played a lot better so i don't know if uh that was just because it's the first game of the season and also i've often wondered about how crowd noise is going to be because you know northern was debating on how many fans they were going to have for their games, but, you know, and then, you know, the ruling by the governor of Michigan, you know, you can't have fans, you know, um, that kind of changed their thoughts on it. So it, uh, I'm wondering how much that lack of crowd interaction is going to affect any team that plays this year. Yeah. Joe made the point that he didn't think it was much of an impact, but I really struggle to find uh, like, I guess I don't know how much the the players pay attention to that or how, like, is it being, is the quiet rink? I mean, they're still playing like music on face-offs and that kind of stuff. So I don't know how much of it really feels that different to the players. Cause they're, they, you know, like, like the stupid cheesy old for the love of the game where like Kevin Coster basically just kind of ignores it when it's happening. Like it's not even there, but. At the same time, like, I can't imagine that the players don't, like, especially tech players don't feed off of hearing the misfits do stupid stuff that kind of annoys the other team's fans most of the game. Yeah. Like, I gotta feel like they feed off of that to some extent, especially in a road building where it, like, it's just so cool that they're there and they're loud. But Joe made it sound on the show that it really didn't feel that much different than than normal. But I, it, the way he said it, it sounded more like a shot at the fact that the the atmosphere at uh, Taffy isn't really that loud ever. Um, so maybe it'll be more interesting to see what his his thoughts are after 
like it's too bad there aren't games this weekend because it feels like that series is more of one where you get a sense of how much that really plays into it because those games are usually played in, against or in packed buildings with loud note crowds. Although, like we said um, when we were there, that the WCHA championship game against Northern, it wasn't really that loud because Tech kind of got that goal and kind of took the crowd out of it for the most part because Northern didn't have much to root for. And that can happen too, but uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward how much that really plays into it. And, And like Joe said on the show, I do think it has the bigger implication might be that the refs don't let the crowd get into their head on whether or not they should make a call or, or letting the crowd reaction to something play into what they saw and ultimately make them decide that it's a penalty instead of just letting it go. And you could see that there were multiple times this weekend where something I think probably would have been called under the old format, but then again, it's WCHA refs. So you never really know. Got, they just let it go. And I think Joe and most coaches are probably in favor of that as long as it's both ways that stuff gets let go. What do we get to talk about next? One of the other things are from the Joe show itself, probably the most interesting things to me were the fact that maybe for one of the first times ever on the show, while Joe was complaining about certain things about the players, he did take a moment to actually say that he thought that they got out coached this weekend and basically took responsibility for some of it. And, and I've kind of been waiting for that. And I think he's maybe said it at different points, but it feels like this is a nice change of pace where he's actually taking responsibility this early in the season for, for maybe them being a little flat or, or whatever, and while he may be saying a lot of the same things about players not doing certain things, the fact that in the end, he basically said the buck stops with me and the coaching staff that we need to do a better job of coaching them up. I think that was a really good thing. And it kind of plays into one of the two questions we got today from Frank Cole. He kind of asked about how um uh, Marv would comment on the team's effort and level of play and then conclude with, but that's on me. If the team started slow, if they did not play with desperation, or if upperclassmen didn't carry their weight, Marv, I love how he said Marv in his email, uh, <laughs> would say that's on me. Should Joe be more held more accountable or hold himself more accountable for whatever shortcoming he declares to be the reason the t- for text? Uh, deficient performance on any given night. And I do think Joe did a good job of taking some of that on in today's or Monday's show. Um, And I do think Joe needs to do a better job of, he can call out the deficiencies all he wants, but he does kind of need to take responsibility in the end. When, uh, when you've got situations like that, Ryan, how, how is Patalny when he talks about, deficiencies or mistakes or or issues is he taking on some of that responsibility or how does he talk about it grant takes responsibility um actually quite a bit uh especially when it comes to penalties um northern 
was, you know, as most hockey fans know, had a lot of issues with penalty minutes, especially to certain players. Um, so he felt, uh, <laughs> We're well familiar. <laughs> yeah, he, he felt like he needed to, you know, say like, you know, I need to uh, do more to enforce that. And he, he said that he was going to, they were going to really crack down on pelts this year. So I think he takes a lot of responsibility when it needs to. Um, um, but he also is definitely not afraid to call out players for not doing what they're supposed to do. And I think that's a good place to be to kind of not be afraid of calling players out when they deserve it, but at the same time, kind of putting a lot of that responsibility on himself because he, he's the one that's coaching. So if it, if the message isn't getting through, it's really on the coach that the, to get the message through or figure out how to change up the message so it does get through. Uh, one of the other things that came out that we kind of touched on or that I, I, I didn't know is that Hallinan's out injured. Um, yeah, that was probably right. the biggest surprise of the line chart was that he wasn't in there coming into the first game. You kind of don't always know what injuries you have going into that first series. And Joe kind of touched on how Hallinan will probably be out for a couple weeks and how whatever injury he has is the kind of injury that could get worse with playing or pushing it. So it makes sense to sit him, especially in games that in reality mean very little in the 2020-21 season with them being non-conference games in the season where more than likely Michigan Tech doesn't have much of a shot at being a at-large. I mean, who knows how that all plays out, but you have to guess that the 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 Blue Bloods have a better shot at getting the tournament field picked more the way they want versus what Joe kind of talked about with the two bids per league kind of thing. Um, and then the last so, thing... So what, you're, so what you're saying is it's going to be all seven Big Ten teams... <laughs> North Dakota, <laughs> Boston College, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, let's see. The last thing that I I took away from the show that seemed valuable to me was him kind of talking about Jamie Phillips and how important a role he has with helping the goalies and one of the and him kind of talking about goalie development that and how how much he's learned being a head coach now that uh, like this being a college head coach was really the first time ever that Joe had a problem, like struggled with getting the goalies to, to open up about their deficiencies and so he could help them work through them. So it's important to have a guy like Jamie, that's uh, an accomplished goalie at this level that that can get the ear of the players to be able to talk through that stuff without it going to the head coach necessarily and work through that. I think it's, I think it's going to be very important for the team that he's there as a, a graduate assistant, basically. And the, the volunteer goalie coach, I think that'll be good for the program. And we can see it already that Sinclair had a good weekend. I think it's hard to say he didn't. Um, no, I mean, first game, obviously, Goes to a shootout after nothing gets let in by either goalie. Second game, I don't think many of the goals could be blamed on him in any way. So I, I think he played well. Yeah. 
Are, are you guys a little surprised that he played both games? I know it's hard to pull a guy after not start him again after a shutout, but I kind of figured the goalie race was pretty even between a couple of the guys and that it might be a you know, split regardless the first weekend. Dirk talked about that pregame on Sunday and basically said both the coaches went into the weekend planning on the splitting their goalies, but because of the shutouts, both of them decided to play the same guy again. And uh, we actually ran a poll asking about that on Sunday. We actually asked on Saturday who we thought would start, and then we asked on Sunday if we thought he would get uh, another start or somebody else, or if Pietola would start since Bailey did not travel. I basically said as soon as he got the shutout that I thought he'd start again because I feel like Joe, like maybe he went into the weekend thinking they'd split, but I have a hard time with him not. I'm not saying he punished Pietola, but like I have a hard time seeing him not reward uh, uh, Sinclair with that shutout that he gets to start again. And we'll figure out when to get Pietola to start. Now, maybe if he knew the Northern series wasn't happening, maybe he'd have had a different opinion because now he's got to wait two weeks before he starts Pietola in a game. But going into, like, even when they recorded the show this morning, they still thought the games were on. So, right. <laughs> the, because the show ended with them with announcing all the game times and everything. And I don't even know what time that came out today, but it was obviously well after the show played. So I I was surprised going into the weekend that Sinclair would get both starts, but I was not at all surprised after Saturday's performance that he got the start again. I picked him to start again. Yeah. See, the other question I got was from Frank was the old dog always asks, is it talent or is it scheme? So did Michigan Tech struggle offensively because of lack of talent or lack of or the scheme or or what? And I can't put it on talent. I think you can possibly put it on rust. But I don't know. And it's not like you can't look at that score line when you walked out of the woods on Sunday, Dustin, and just look at the score line and go Tech got blown out because that's not what happened. It was an even game all day. Michigan Tech had some great stretches where they were the ones that were controlling it, and they just didn't score enough in those periods of time to offset what the Lakers did. And then the Lakers managed to get a goal in the third to take the lead, and then Tech tried to push to get the get it back and gave up another one, and then they gave up an empty netter to make it four. And it all changed very, very quickly. I think Dirk even mentioned that if somehow you had walked away and came back, you'd have been shocked to hear the score because it was 1-1 with, I don't even know, was it like six minutes left? It was even less than that. Yeah. So it's not like it was a a blowout like it may have looked on the scoreboard, but uh, it was it was a good game. And Tech just couldn't find the back of the net as often as they wanted, and it and Mittens made some really good saves, but Tech also missed some great opportunities at different times. I'm not sure what else to say on that. Anybody have any comments on that? The goal was a real nice one. It's nice to see like a sniper style goal as well. You know, instead of the 
you know, the rough ice style type that Joe talks about a lot, but seeing those kind of pretty goals is always nice. Calder's goal is ESPN level beautiful. So <laughs> ESPN doesn't play hockey. Yeah. <laughs> well, if they were looking for a hockey highlight, then this weekend, uh, the between the legs and, and popping it uh, off the post was, that was pretty. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing to take away from this weekend is you got to capitalize on chances. And the games went fast. They went, they were extremely, just felt, they felt like the, the, the actual amount of time that was taking, the game was taking, there were not a lot of whistles, uh, through both games. So both of them felt like they just went really, really quickly. I, and I think I, play, but I don't remember where I game. said it, but I think it was in our Slack chat where I was where, like, or no, I think it was in the Discord chat where right up until Tech scored the goal on Sunday, I was kind of bored with the game. Like it wasn't that interesting to me. Maybe it's because I had a lot of sports going on that day and pretty much the entire Tech game had another game going on up against it, whether it was football or soccer but it did feel like uh it wasn't that interesting a game till tech scored and then i was a little more into it and then it all fell apart at the end but hopefully that gets better i'm guessing the team doesn't isn't really looking forward to the extra week off of thinking about that loss but uh who knows it'll be good for them to get back and and host Minnesota State, which doesn't really uh, make things better for them. I don't hey. even. What's that? <laughs> yeah. I guess my only question there was, did did today's game get postponed because of something in Bemidji or Mankato? I don't know. I'm not sure what the reason for that one getting postponed was. Do you have any idea, Ryan? I'm not positive, but uh, I I think it might have been something on Mankato's end. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, regardless. There's a phrase that's taken on a completely yeah. different meaning this year. What's that? I'm not positive. I'm not positive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll see uh, what happens if those games happen, if it is Mankato and they don't get it under control quick enough here. Um, well, one, of, one of the guys I deer hunt with, is his kid goes to Mankato and Apparently, they are all having big parties Friday night because it was the last day they could party before the extra restrictions <laughs> yeah. went in. So That sounds about right. Sounds about <laughs> college kids. Yeah. Uh, guys, I, I looked at it. Uh, Shane Frederick, who used to be the beat writer for uh, Minnesota State, said that there were some COVID issues on Minnesota State's end that required okay. it. So it was on Edo, So All right. Cool. Good to know. The other thing that we could talk about a little bit was LIU. They won their first game ever, and one of the goals was scored by a former Husky whose name evades me right now. Mitch Meek. Mitch Meek. Um, probably one of the most experienced guys on the team coming over from Tech. Um, I I don't have much to say about that, but I thought it was kind of cool that he did good and and they won their first game. Yeah, that's good. I mean, he, he's, he's a guy that probably wasn't going to see tons of ice time if he would have stayed at Tech, so it's good to see him go somewhere, get some playing time, and succeed. I agree. 
it is interesting looking just you know at, at the scoreboard and stuff like that and how much this has messed things up right looking at the the LIU game uh from I think it was a little bit Sunday's game there's a cancellation up there from Army and Holy Cross and then there's the non-conference game between LIU and Holy Cross there because they're scheduled on the same date the uh, the cancellation is there too just uh makes it look weird yeah <clears throat> let's see the last last big thing I had was the the CCHA is hiring did you guys see this they have I a they have a job listing posted for director of strategic communications and brand advancement I took a look I'm not qualified maybe I'll apply anyway I don't know I don't even know what that means I think it basically means like the online presence for the, league. the who's going to do Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff and, and, and uh, make well, the brand you, strong. How, how qualified do you need to be to run the Twitter account? Well, it's about like creating like the vignettes and all that stuff that they would publish. It's not just tweeting. It's about the videos that you produce to put out there or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll be, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. I'm, I'm looking forward to the CCHA and, and the direction that's headed. Uh, Ryan, we haven't really had a chance to talk to you about that yet at all, have we? Uh, no, we have not. Uh, so what, what are your thoughts on everything you've seen so far from the CCHA? From the head head of the CCHA, according to how everything seems to be run by the northern folks, when every time there's a right a conference call, yeah, it, it it's interesting. Um, I I'm happy that you know that they've gotten things straightened out with the CCHA and everything, but it's just it's there's so much up in the air and it's tough to know. And since the league's not going to really be a thing for another year, how you know, this is all going to work out, but, uh, I'm intrigued to see what next season's going to look like. I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed that, uh, you know, the WCHA is going to go away, but the CCHA is really intriguing right now. No, I'm looking forward to it too. I know Joe talked a little bit in the show today about referee feedback and how much he's hoping for of that whole situation to be better next year. I, he didn't really go into much detail, but it, it can't be much worse than I think it is right now. Um, but it's some level of competence would be nice. Yeah. But I can't imagine the group of referees being that much different. It's just going to be about leadership and direction and accountability and, and accountability. Yeah. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Yep. All right. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the white level or above get access to the monthly Zoom chat featuring guests like John Scott, Joe Sean, and more to come. I did speak with brad patterson and he's game for doing the next one we'll probably schedule it for sometime in december now that we're so close to thanksgiving but hopefully 
before we record next week, I'll have an answer on when we're going to do that. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. Uh, Tech Hockey Guide is also working on authentic MTU jersey order with uh, the addition of the new 100th season jersey. We are definitely ordering that jersey. I'm still working on pricing. And then we are very close to being able to order the cream jersey and the gold jersey. I think those two are the only jerseys that I will also consider ordering this year due to some other issues. So if you're interested in either of those or maybe the white jersey, go ahead and sign up uh, to declare your interest at jerseys.techhockeyguide.com. You can submit questions through our email address, chasingmac at techhockeyguide.com, or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasingmacpod. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know. We'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, or share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, you can check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. Nasty